I said we just watched the um the presidential forum on CNA. Um, we thought we'll kind of come together to provide some general impressions, what we thought about the forum. Um, I think we're largely aligned, I think, but but maybe let me ask you, you know, what were your immediate general reactions? It's only been about 30 minutes since the forum. So what do you think about mm-hmm. the forum and the candidates? Yep, I thought the forum was uh, pretty standard, I guess. That's the best word I can use for it. Um, I think the questions focus mostly about, you know, the different roles of the president, uh, their custodial duties, their ceremonial duties, how the president might be a unifying figure and so on. Very inoffensive <laughs> types of questions. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think the three candidates, Um, I guess my assessment of it was that while watching it, uh, I was quite impre- I was impressed the most with uh, Mr. Ng Kok Song. Uh-huh. But I think that's also due to like, expectations because as yeah. he's you know he's not been in the public eye he's not a political figure or at least that's what he says um yeah i didn't expect him to be that eloquent uh be able to give you know answers that were really quite good and uh, at least they sounded good um yeah mr taman i think uh he was okay i think he's also a victim of expectations uh yeah. because you know we all know him so he delivered a pretty standard, pretty solid performance. And Mr. Tankin Lian, I think was good. He was on the script. Uh, he stayed mo- <laughs> yeah, to the script most of the time. Yeah. So I think it was okay. Yeah. Curious to hear how you, yeah, how you thought about it. No, I, I thought, and I saw this, um, and I had this this thought, and it was solidified by someone else saying it as well. It's like a, it's like a group interview, right? It's kind of where, <laughs> and you've been to job interviews as well. It's you expect a standard list of questions. <clears throat> it's asked yeah. you. You prepare for the questions, and I mean everyone prepared. But I mean, I think Mister Tan was clearest in, in demonstrating that he was reading <laughs> off the script. Um, so I mean everything was very cordial. Feels like a job interview, mm-hmm. especially when they were explaining their, you know, credentials, their experience. It's it's very very corporate. It feels very corporate in a sense where you're you're interviewing <laughs> for a job, right? Yeah. And really, nothing stood out from the session. I I told you it felt like a waste of of time, right? Or fifty <laughs> minutes that you'll never get back. Not because there was nothing substantive, but you know, a lot of things that have been talked about, the talking points, the reflections, are not things that folks would be unfamiliar with, you know. So, it really didn't change minds and and i think we're about two or three days out from cooling off day and then from the election mm-hmm. i don't feel like it's one of those debates or i shouldn't say a debate or those kind of um forums that that really would change the minds of anyone who hasn't already made up their mind at this point in time yeah yeah so i thought what we could do is talk about a few key things that came out from this from the forum and take it from there right I think the first one we can kind of touch upon would be their focus on non-politicization, the notion of being a unifying figure in an inclusive society. I know we want to talk about this because over the weekend, we're recording this on August 28th, 
Um, it's a Monday. Over the weekend, Mr. Tan received endorsements from personal endorsements mm-hmm. in their personal capacity from two of the four presidential candidates in PE 2011. Um, yeah. yeah, so I know you had some thoughts on this. So I'm going to yield the time to you in that sense. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, like I told you, I think that was like the most major development that we've had uh, in this whole campaign period. Uh, and it certainly, you know, got a lot of conversation going. Um, yeah, I guess, you know, that symbolic image of the three of them uniting um, in this election, but also because of who Mr. Tan Ching Bok is, right? Because, yeah. you know, formerly he was from uh, the PAP, then set up the PSP and so on. And now he's endorsing Mr. Tan Kin Lian uh, together with figures of other opposition parties. Even though, you know, Mr. Tan Cheng Bok says he's doing it in his own personal capacity. But mm-hmm. I, the reality will be, you know, he's a major figure in his party. Inevitably, there will be some element uh, of, you know, Mr. Tan Kin Lian's views and being associated with those more fringe opposition parties that will have a knock-on effect on the political system, uh, specifically, you know, the PSP's image and so on. Yeah. And yeah, I think I think just one more thing would be, you know, the whole idea of non-politicization of the presidency. Uh, it fits into the whole idea of what being independent is because when yeah. Mr. Tan Chin Bok endorsed uh, Mr. Tan Kin Lian, he was like, we need an independent president. But then it just goes to show again, I think um, uh, Ross pointed this out in the podcast episode. All of them are different conceptions of independence. Uh, Mr. Taman is independence of mind. Uh, Mr. Ng Kok Song is non-partisanship, being mm-hmm. independent of any party. And he kept he has kept harping on this, you know, in his right, campaign, yeah. mm-hmm. in the forum just now. And Mr. Tan Kin Lian says he will be independent candidate independent president but in reality I think we've seen you know so many opposition figures uniting behind him I think what they mean is independent of the PAP so if you look at it you know it's already being politicized in a sense because you have clear party lines drawn and then you have like Mr. Ng Kok Song in the middle who's like oh I don't belong to any party and that makes me non-political yeah yeah and actually and and during the during the forum itself the way uh, Mr. Tan talked about it is do not believe in politicking. It was really a non-response. Um, and as you said, uh, Mr. Ng said he was non-belonging, no political affiliations, acting without fear or favor, non-partisan. And Mrs. Taman, to his credit, was very eloquent as well, but uh, he was speaking to the avoidance of simple labels. But this incident, I mean, the development over the weekend, I thought was disingenuous, right? Where you, where, where, Mr. Tan could have made a point that, you know, having, you know, left your positions a few months ago and then running for election, that's that's challenging in the minds of, of voters as well. But then you come around and do the same thing with with um other members who are endorsing you in their personal capacity, but yet carry mm-hmm. with, with them the weight of being in their respect, respective political parties. That's also a bit disingenuous, right? Um, I do think it's a very pragmatic view approach right the the aim is mm-hmm. ultimately to win the election so if there's a way to get more votes then this is clearly one of the ways but there's a certain degree of hypocrisy there because now you can no longer say um this is uh, it's unfair on the other side where where dpm uh, 
senior minister, former DPM and form, former senior minister, spent a large part of his career in the um, mm-hmm. in, in, with the with the ruling party, right? And and I think that's a really diff- difficult distinction to make right now. I I don't think this will fa- <laughs> this will factor <laughs> in the minds of of voters in general, but but I, yeah. I thought that was a very pragmatic both. Yeah, I mean, I I'm just also not sure like what. What voters will come on after Mr. Tanjin Box endorsement? Because I would imagine the really hardliner opposition uh supporters would already go in Mr. Tan Kin Lian. Yeah. Uh and are there any, you know, like those middle ground voters who still support Mr. Tan Chin Bok or will be swayed by this endorsement? I'm just not sh- that sure that there's that big block that this endorsement might have served. But I don't know. Maybe they know more than me. They I'm more on the ground, so yeah. Yeah, we'll see, right? I, I also think the other interesting thing I was picking up also was the references to um former president um Ong Teng Chong, right? So he came up twice, right? First mm-hmm. by by Mr. Thaman during this point about non-politicization, right? He was making this point about oh, if you know we use this label of non-partisanship or independence, then a lot of the former uh, presidents may not have qualified, not qualified, but may not have um, been considered to be non-partisan or a unifying figure. And um, Mr. Mr. Ong's name came up that one time. The second time it came up, of course, mm-hmm. was when Mr. Tan mentioned about charities and um, <laughs> how to be an inclusive, passionate society. Uh, I think it was kind of um, interesting touch, right? Wearing the tie. I'm not sure if you said that was the tie that Mr. Ong actually wore, but that's the other time it came up also. And then I think it speaks to the limit of the forum format, which we'll get to that, that limits further discussion about that. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the kind of the second thing that we want to touch on was Mr. Unkok song, right? So we talked about Mr. Tharman, uh, Mr. Tan, um, but you and I can't agree that there's, there's no, right? I mean, we are a victim of expectation, they're the victim of expectations <laughs> and so on and so forth. But we thought he did a pretty decent job. And I was kind of, um, I've heard this presidential broadcast, I've heard his different interviews, but I think this is the first time I've heard him in, in, in kind of great detail. And I was mm-hmm. really impressed by the degree of eloquence and clarity of thought and, and, and how he articulate those thoughts as well. What do you think about Mr. Ng? Yeah, I think Mr. Ng. I mean, similar to you. I mean, before this, I never heard of him before. Um, when he, I only heard of him when he first threw his hat into the race. Um, I think my impression of him, uh, throughout the whole campaign was that okay, he's being a bit steady, trying to portray himself again like a non-partisan candidate. Uh, but you know, the more politicized the presidency gets, there's only so much space he can take up in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought it was running a steady campaign, but not that inspiring. Uh, but yeah, I guess the presidential forum showed that, you know, when you actually get to sit down, ask him questions, he is quite eloquent. He gives pretty intelligent answers. Um oh, I do recall there was one podcast, I think. Uh yeah, they he went on where I thought also, you know, his answers were pretty steady, if not unsurprising, but it showed that, you know, for a non-political figure, for someone that's not been in the spotlight much, uh, he can hold his own, you know, against the rest. Sure. I mean, yeah. he's against Mr. Tauman, who has 
been a political figure for 20 over years and that's not easy. Yeah. No, and he made um a few interesting points, right? He, when you're speaking about major challenges, is it internal or external? And then internal challenges he framed was cynicism of government, which you don't always mm-hmm. hear. It's quite smart because for, 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 you know, in the context of, of the recent controversies and scandals involving um, members of parliament as well. I think that was what he was getting at, cynicism of government. Of course, he couldn't yeah. mention it um, explicitly <laughs> given the limits of it. But um, in a way, he was alluding to that cynicism, which I think is really true, right? That, that we don't want PE 2023 to be a proxy for um, the ruling party, for the opposition party, for the upcoming general election, uh, which is due in about um, in 2025. But he mentioned that, and that's quite astute. The other thing that he mentioned, which I thought was interesting, I I'm not so on the, I'm not so on his his, his symbol, the the, the hand. The funny thing <laughs> yeah. is that when I was looking at it, it reminds me of um Mr. Tan's 2011 campaign, which is like a high five. Oh, yes. I don't know if you remember high it's five. a high five campaign. Um, <laughs> yeah. I also don't get the five race. I mean, he probably means something deeper than that, the five races. I'm not quite sure what he was getting at, but what he did mention during that spiel was moving from self help to interracial help, mm, right? Yeah, I caught um, that. Yeah. And again, coming from him, that's pretty astute, right? Obviously, for a minute and a half, there's not a lot you can talk about, but um, there was something that, that also caught my ear as well. My big question, though, with someone like him is something I mentioned to you in the beginning, which is where were you prior to your election, right? So clearly mm-hmm. he has a very impressive pedigree, very impressive portfolio. And my question would be, where were you before all these, before the presidential election, right? Clearly right. you were an important figure in GIC, within the government, I mean, many other um, folks like him as well. Clearly there are constraints of what you can do when you are you know, a civil servant in, in, in terms of expressing yourself as well. But how many mm-hmm. folks out there who share the same pedigrees, share the same eloquence, the same clarity of thought, who could potentially you know, enrich social political discourse to a greater extent, right? And you know, my main question is like, where were you before um, the president, presidential election? And, and I think it's a shame that we don't have that many figures in that sense, yeah. Mm, yeah, I think I was also speaking with some other friends about um, who would we want as a president, you know, if not among these candidates. So, yeah, and we realized that, you know, within the private sector, there's really not much we can name. Um, yeah. I think one name that was mentioned was like Mr. Ho Kwon Ping. I'm pretty sure he qualifies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been quite public and so on, but not sure if he wants it. In the public sector, it's even less. Like, we can't think of people who uh, are of that caliber and in the public sphere. You know, yeah. because I think, you know, the people who qualify like X, uh, I guess, so we are, if we are talking about, you know, non-partisan candidates, like those in the civil service and so on, you're talking about your perm sex um, and so on. <laughs> um, so, and those people, we rarely hear from them after they've left the service, after, you know, they've gone on to maybe do like non-profit work or, um, yeah, in government-linked corporations and so on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. We just don't hear from them. Yeah, it's my same reserve. So, you know, we had a very brief discussion on this with Mr. George Cole, right? So, um, yeah. you know, clearly he is not in the running, but, you know, when positioned vis-a-vis against the other candidates, you could see how he ticks the boxes in terms of non-partisanship being from the private sector. 
but that gives me or that brings to mind the same set of questions I'll have for I have for Mr. Ng as well, which is where were you, right? So, you know, in that sense of why is it that only through a public office or position of 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 uh, elected position where you feel like you can enact change, where there are other ways, maybe less extensive and expensive, where you could, you know, do the same kind of work very diligently, very steadily as well. And there are many folks who do that too. So, you know, that's something that that always comes to mind when I think about Mr. Ng and Mr. Go, who unfortunately is not in the running. Yeah. I guess it's a final thing, right? Because there really wasn't that much in the forum itself, but <laughs> I guess the final reflection would be on the modality of the forum itself. And we were just saying the limits of the forum itself could be in a way reflective of the limits of the presidential office itself, right? The fact that you can't have this free-ranging crosstalk disagreements, primarily because the president is supposed to be unifying, supposed to be ceremonial, supposed to be very um, you know, non-confrontational. And so that prevents that from being a debate, right? That's why they call it a forum. But it also limits the scope of the discussion, you know. So at the very end, <laughs> Mr. Tan really <laughs> tried to squeeze in um, what I call the greatest hits, right? Oh, job competition and foreigners, feels like 2011 again, job con- competition and foreigners, national yeah. service, housing costs. Um, it's almost like not quite like that, but but Trump's like American carnage. You know, everything is going to <laughs> um I shouldn't swear, but everything's going to be really, really bad. And then we need someone to make a change in that sense, right? Um but yeah, what do you think about the 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 overall format and the limits of the presidency? Yeah, I think um I guess two main thoughts. The first would be uh, I agree with you, the you know, the questions that were asked in this forum, things like, uh, what unique traits do you have to represent Singapore on the international stage? How would you build a more inclusive society? How do you plan to connect with youth? All these sort of things. Uh, Like you said, it's like those uh, job interview questions where you ask and then the candidate has been, oh, these are my greatest strengths and so on. It's like a group job interview. I know, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, so, um, but yeah, I think then my first point would be, um, yeah, because the priority itself is so constrained. On the custodial role, you know, the first question uh, was, of course, on the custodial role, uh, what factors we consider for safeguarding the reserves? All three of them gave their answers and all three are pretty similar. They want to understand how it's used, how much is being used, nature of the crisis and so mm-hmm. on. But then you have to remember that oh, okay, they can do all this, but they have to concur with the Council of Presidential Advisors. They are not doing this alone. So then you recall again that presidency has that custodial role, but there's someone to check them. uh, And, you know, they must agree. If they don't agree, and the president, you know, vetoes the use of reserves, the CPA can say, uh, you know, we didn't arrive at a consensus, then parliament comes in. They can veto that veto. So that wasn't mentioned, you know, but I think that plays a part into the types of questions that you can ask. Um, And especially, you know, why they focus so much on the ceremonial role, I think the questions in the forum, uh, how the president would be a unifying figure and so on. Because uh, to me, I think that's the bulk of what they do on a daily basis. It's on a very, um, 
very you know rare occasion that they will need to be activated to assent to using the reserves. Most of their role is really to be that symbolic figure uh, amongst the population. But then they cannot advocate for certain policies. They can only advocate for causes. They cannot say like, for example, oh, I want to lower cost of living by doing this because that's simply not their role again. And it's why, you know, when Mr. Tankilen was going on that spiel in the end, uh, he was sort of checked by CNA right on the spot, a real time yeah. fact check, you know, so to speak. So I guess that's the first point. Um, I guess then my second point would be this is by design because the presidency is inherently a conservative role. Uh, that's how it was conceived to be by Mr. Lee Kuan Yew uh, when he first proposed it. You know, it's meant to be a check on a freak election when the government would come in and spend all they want and so on. Mm -hmm. So then in that sense, the president's role is not to be an activist president. It's meant to be uh, a lock, so to speak, on the government if it ever goes rogue. So in that sense, if you have a lock, it makes sense that you will want you know, a lock only has one purpose, which is to prevent people from accessing it, uh, from accessing what is inside. So in that sense, you know, um, the president, other than that role, in his ceremonial role, he's inherently constrained. And I think this is deliberate because they don't want to give, you know, the president too much powers in a sense, because then they will, seen, they will be seen as intruding on the government of the day. Yeah. I mean, in some rights, and the way Mr. Thaman framed there, it was a really short segment, but the catchphrase he used was that no one can fool me, right? But but that statement also means, as you as you explained, it's not really one of, of I mean, it's one of oversight and checking, but not one of making active decisions as it's designed in the constitution. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes you wonder, it's a question that you have posed to all our young voters, right? The first-time voters in terms of yeah. what do you think the role would should be and whether it should revert to a appointed position rather than an elected one, yeah. right? Because if we are saying or if the contention here is that there are limits to the office across those three different uh, functions, the custodial, ceremonial, community, um, if there are limits to that, then maybe reversion to an appointment might make more sense, right? And re- reduces the amount of friction through an election, really just focusing on the symbolic powers, right? The, uh, you know, mm-hmm. going for yeah. the, the president's charity, as, as I think um, Mr. Ng mentioned, um, being chief volunteer, which are not mm-hmm. unimportant, right? These are really important yeah. going overseas, yeah. um, attending, you know, the... Um, the funeral when Queen Elizabeth II passed, right? Those are really important state yep. function roles that 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 wasn't talked about, alluded to very briefly, but maybe it should be the true role of the presidency itself. And um, I'm not sure what the next steps would be, but I don't think the debate substantively changed the discourse in any way also. Yeah. Having said that, I think I can also direct, I think this is a really short episode. We can direct folks to 
the episodes are done with three first-time voters. Um, they are linked in the show notes. And for folks who are overseas, bear in mind that you should be able to download the ballots and mail it in. You should mail it in as soon as possible. If you're based in Singapore, polling day is September 1st, 2023 on Friday. It's 8 to 8, I believe, the polling hours. Um, you can go to eld.gov.sg for more information. And remember that voting is compulsory. So um, there's been a lot of discussion about how to approach that process, but uh, make the best decision for yourself. And we look forward to talking more about this at the end. I don't expect to be, I say, a lot more developments between now and, and polling day, <laughs> um, but I expect we'll have um, some food for thought after the election itself. Yeah. Yep. Happy voting, everyone. Mm-hmm.